Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. While there is no definitive formula for success and winning, there exists a deliberative mindset, confidence, and emotional strength. For one must believe they are a champion before they can become one. And that is a quote by R.J. Intendola. So thank you again for tuning in, or thank you the first time for tuning in to The Profitable Photographer. I'm still Lucy, and I'm still interested in offering you a complimentary either website review or pricing review. And you can go to my website, lucydumascoaching.com, Lucy with an I, and send me a little message. Or you can just email me, whatever you want to do, and we'll set that up. So I'm excited to interview my next guest and introduce her to you. She is involved in so many amazing things that uh, getting her bio down to a little patch that I can share with you is a challenge. So I'm going to ask her more, and I'm sure you'll put the pieces together. Tashina Calhoun is my guest today. And she is an entrepreneur, educator, mentor, and a mother of two. She grew up in West Texas. As a photographer, she is a branding expert, collaborating with business owners, looking to focus on strong brand recognition. She was in corporate America. And then she also now transitioned and owns and operates multiple businesses. She has an education platform. She's the founder of the nonprofit One Belief Organization, which focuses on mental health. And I'm sure she'll share more about what that is and what they do. And she also teaches thousands of students and families in her community to educate and bring awareness to emotional intelligence and mental health awareness. And I'm a big fan of both of those. So (laughs) Tashina, that awkward introduction, uh, I believe in being imperfectly perfect or perfectly imperfect. So hello. Hello, (laughs) Some days I'm like right on and some days I'm a little tangled up and today is Friday and a little tangled. So welcome and thank you so much for saying yes to being on this podcast. No problem at all. Thank you so very much for having me. (laughs) I'm glad to be here. So tell me briefly a little of kind of your journey in photography, um, just how you decided to specialize in what you do, how you got here in in the one part of your life. (laughs) Okay, awesome, awesome. Well, I've always had a passion for taking photos. Um, It really started when I was a child. I remember just getting my grandmother's rugs and throwing them over the doorways and using (laughs) that as backdrops. So that's where my fascination with just taking photos started. And then that, of course, turned into cameras that they purchased. And, you know, back then we had Polaroids and Olympics or Olympic. (laughs) Yeah, all Mm -hmm. the older cameras. Mm -hmm. And then as a young adult, when I was in college, it just got to the point they were like, oh, don't worry about it. Tash will take photos. 
And because I would just literally, you know, document and snap everything. And I was like, you know what? Tash is charging today. And so that's kind (laughs) of how that started. But then understanding as a creative over a period of time, um, you know, you have to invest in yourself, your education and furthering that part of it. So while I was always very much creative, starting it, charging for it, but then going back and getting the necessary education to better and perfect my craft in it. So that was like about 12 years ago. and. I would photograph families, seniors, you know, just typical engagements. I I was a wedding photographer then. Uh, back mm-hmm. then, I believe the only thing, um, you know, the only way to be profitable as a photographer was through weddings. Oh, sorry, kick my thing. Little <laughs> did I know that was not uh, that's not true. You can be very profitable in other areas of photography that are not, um, you know, wedding related. And so that was a very fixed mindset. And so. And it didn't just happen overnight. It just over the course of the years, things shifted. People had various requests and it just more so gravitated to lifestyle and branding, which was actually good for me because whenever COVID happened and everything was shutting down and people were counseling everything, mm-hmm. there are so many people with the horrific stories of like all these weddings that were canceled and they wanted to refund. It was just a bunch of stuff and COVID happened. So thankfully, I did not have to go through that. Um, because my business had already shifted and pivoted towards me serving business owners. Mm. So that's how I arrived at. I know, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's how I arrived at branding and present day. I love it. Uh, Do I still shoot or photograph other things? Absolutely. But I have a heart for entrepreneurship and just helping people show up virtually strong or, you know, in their perspective spaces. So I find myself celebrating others with my camera lens for, branding, lifestyle. And then, you know, throughout the year, we got our seniors, family and holiday portraits, but no weddings. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> I, I quit those after 12 years. I've been yeah. in the business for 40 and oh wow, I hit that burnout and I kept going to um, seminars where the instructors were saying, you know, you can make more money with a few portrait sessions than with one whole wedding. And finally, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to see if that's true. And I was surprised that you found it to be true. Yeah. And especially time for dollars. Mm -hmm. So I transitioned after that. I love how you said that time for dollars. That's so very true. But I I found that to be extremely true. Like, I think the first time that it happened, I was like, they pay, I got paid this much and it wasn't a wedding. I was like, wow, what happened here? (laughs) And I'm not working on a Saturday or not all day on a Saturday. Oh my goodness. Yes. Whenever my son was younger and he was in, um, you know, like baseball and, you know, the little basketball, I just saw the little league stuff. Those were my weekends. Like, you know, I would go to that in the morning and, you know, I'm pretty sure they still do it just as crazy. I don't know why they never had a set schedule because they just have like a window of time where you play mm-hmm. and it's like it could be any time on that Saturday I'm like oh gosh I hope and it just always worked out but you're right that would be the whole weekend and don't have to have multiple weddings or events that's just your entire weekend so right because I'm glad I did it yeah even on the Saturday uh, we worked so hard and the Sunday I don't know about you but I had an adrenaline hangover and physically was so exhausted that oh yeah wasn't really up for much on Sundays. And then oh, I had yeah. to quit because even my Mondays, I was still recovering from the wedding. And yeah, your body would be sore. You'd be like, what did I do? Yeah. Just kind I, of like all over I would think, did somebody beat me up with a exactly. sock with a <laughs> orange in it 
all night long yeah. and I didn't know it would feel like that but yes you're right you have to recuperate so yes. <laughs> so one thing I notice about your photography and especially branding people look happy so happy so sassy so comfortable uh mm-hmm. you know your poses have just a, a lot of energy to them oh, and how do you because I think if you look at the plethora of executive portraits in the world, a lot of them are kind of either serious or they don't look all that comfortable. You know, there's still a good likeness, but you seem to get like the soul and the personality out of the people. How do you do that? Thank you so very much, Lucy. And you're like not the first person that said that. I think that it's something um, across the board, I feel like I'm putting me into everything that I do. So anytime that I have a client that I'm working with, I always set the tone, setting the tone for the environment, the space that we're going to be in. Mm. So whatever I have going on, my whole vibe or roar, whichever, there I'm welcoming them into that and then kind of guiding them. They are like, I don't know how to pose. I'm like, don't worry about it. I'm telling you what to do or, mm-hmm. you know, guiding you or giving you the suggestions to make you feel comfortable. A lot of people don't like taking photos. So it's very awkward. I know that me as a photographer, oh yeah, I'll photograph you all day. You put me in front of the camera, I get really weird. Like what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think that being able to understand that uncomfortable space for others and going into that vulnerable space with them, allowing them to be vulnerable or, you know, transparent, like, hey, I don't feel comfortable here, but can you help me be comfortable in this space? And I, so it's like providing that safe space, but also making it an energetic, warm, welcoming space mm. to say, hey, it's a free zone. And we just really have fun and let loose. And then what happens is they're not focused on how uncomfortable they're feeling. They're focused on, we're having a great time. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's how, when you see the imagery, when you see the photos, you're seeing us having a great time while still taking care of business and capturing. I love it. So I think that that's how we make that happen. Yeah. Well, I do think that you're absolutely true. Who who we are is going to come through in whatever we photograph. And I tend to be, you know, I'm kind of mellow and introspective, although I can be quite silly and fun as well. But a lot of my work, like, you know, I love kind of getting into the soul of people and being kind of quiet and and having the eye connection be really strong. So I yeah, that. I think our work definitely expresses a lot about who we are. And so that's great. I'm thinking you must be tons of fun. well you know what I love how you put that but yes I think that any photographer you know we are I mean the things that we photograph the art is subject to you know the person with the eye the eye of the beholder right right so I very much do agree wholeheartedly with what you just said we're putting ourselves or our perspective into whatever we're capturing Mm -hmm. and I think that's great I love that connecting of the dots. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's safe to go ahead and do that because then we'll attract people who want our Mm -hmm. style rather than, oh, what do people want? I'm going to try to be that. Yeah. Or exactly. I'm going to do what feels right to me and my dream dates will show up. So, yeah, you do that so well. And I love to have fun. So, Maybe sometime when I'm in your, you know, we're in the same vicinity, I'll hire you to 
do something fun and sassy. <laughs> hey, we can do fun and sassy. I'm totally with it. We're yeah. Have a blast. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to do a pivot because I know that you are very passionate about mental health and the I love the emotional intelligence world. I watched a little quick video of you in front of was it high school students or yes, high schoolers yeah. <laughs> and um being a, a a big promoter of of all kinds of things about setting goals and being emotionally healthy, mentally healthy. I, I'm just babbling right now because it's all good. I, I know it's a big category for you. I know so. what you mean though. Yeah. <laughs> so it's all good. Yeah. So um yeah, let's pivot there. Uh what do you want to know? <laughs> well, first of all, um, so is your teaching connected to the the nonprofit is it is it in the same space or are they two different spaces? So I am a full time entrepreneur. My professional background, I was an educator for about a decade. So okay. just me being an educator and teaching, that is always going to be what I'm passionate and that is my heart. I have a heart for education and learning. Uh, our education system is, you know, it does what it's supposed to do. However, we didn't realize until 2020. Like our nation, our world really didn't realize until 2020 when COVID happened that we never really invested in mental health or emotional wellness. Now, my organization was started in 2018, so it was well before COVID. And it was just really something God placed on my heart and I was just being obedient. Mm-hmm. Um, how it started is my daughter, she was in the first grade and she had a scare at her school. Like a fifth or sixth grader had brought a gun onto campus. Mm-hmm. And that was just really terrifying, especially in the society that we live in present day. I believe when my daughter was in first grade, it was right after that Sandy Hook shooting happened on the Mm -hmm. East Coast, all those little kindergartners. And so having a call like that and not knowing where it would happen if your child's okay, you know, we don't send our kids to school thinking that the worst could happen, you know, and it's sad Mm -hmm. that, I mean, I live here in Texas and we just had something about two weeks ago uh, you know, on the north side of town. And last year we had another something in like Mansfield. And so it's like we we get into the spaces of we should not have to worry about our kids being safe at school. So when my daughter had the incident at her school, I remember all my protocol as a professional educator that was set aside because in that moment I was the mother and I needed to get there and be there for my child. So I got to her, she was safe and everything was fine, but that weekend was just a little bit different. And I remember waking up early that Sunday morning, like all these thoughts and phrases in my head. And I just got up and I went to my desk and I wrote everything out. And what stood out to me was many schools, countless lives, one belief. Mm. And so it's like, what is that one belief? And it's like the one belief is that our schools and our churches, our communities should be safe, especially for our children and our elderly. And so I was like, okay, God, you're telling me something, but what are you telling me? And so I just then set on to figure out what it was that God had for me to do. And I fasted, I prayed, I was very in tune. And it was like, okay, we're starting a nonprofit organization. I was like, God, I know nothing about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, but, you know, when you're following what, what um, you hear in your spirit to do, things just come together and it aligns for you. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that I was obedient to what I heard God say. Because that was the start of something that I had no idea what it was in that moment. And it grew to be what it is today. So what that looked like was um, 
we had the message to get out to people. And it's like, okay, how do we connect with people? And I was like, well, give away free stuff, right? Who doesn't mm-hmm. like free stuff? And so we started with a back to school event. We gave away school supplies, backpacks, and then um, we had free classes and just starting to educate on mental health awareness. I, I got certified in the things I needed to be certified in, in the mental health space um, to be a first aid responder and things of that nature. But it's just, we just took off from there. So present day, what One Belief looks like is uh, we're, we haven't held an in-person class in this year. We've been doing, uh, well, I'm sorry, we do assemblies for scholars. So okay. we go to schools we have assemblies. So we'll have assemblies for scholars. We can talk to adults. We've had classes for adults. We've had classes virtually and in person. So that's what it looks like. And so we're talking about emotional wellness, mental health, suicide prevention, positive affirmations, ridding yourself of negative self-talk because mm. we all do that, right? We are all good for bashing ourselves. So ridding yourself of negative self-talk and uh, conflict resolution to say, and those are just a few of the things that we focus on. But um, ultimately, if we can just increase our own emotional intelligence and then share that with our children, it begins to help break that cycle of us not being emotionally intelligent, not processing our feelings. Mm-hmm. So that's the ultimate goal. Wow. That's a lot. Can you define emotional intelligence for people that maybe haven't? Sure. Emotional intelligence is being aware of your own feelings, but also aware of those around you. So mm-hmm. a lot of times when things happen, you know, it's so easy for us to internalize what like take it personal, but it's not even really about us when things happen. Someone could really just be going through something. You can be having a conversation with somebody and it could be a really close friend and they could act very harsh or, you know, standoffish. And you're like, oh my God, why are they acting like that me? Did I do something? Did I, 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 you immediately get in the space of wanting to blame yourself, but you can, you just sometimes at the pause, it has nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. That person could have their own turmoil, their own grief, their own sadness, their own things that they're dealing with. And instead of getting upset and angry, if we have the emotional intelligence, which is being aware of our own feelings while being aware of others, we'll be able to take that moment and understand that, you know what, this is not about me. Maybe they're going through something. So I'm just going to allow time to step back. Mm-hmm. And that's even great in business. It's great in our personal relationships and in business, being able to understand, I mean, because business is very emotional, right? Yeah. Especially entrepreneurs. Yeah. We can get feelings about all kinds of things. <laughs> yes. Photographers, you know, when we're also working with people mm-hmm. and clients, there's so much involved in that. And it's so easy to take that personally. I, yeah, I've seen people's Facebook posts where like, I'm absolutely devastated. And they, whatever it is they share, it it's something that I think, oh, that client probably wasn't feeling well or has a, you know, had a car accident or, you know, that it's not about us. I love that you said yeah, that. So just having that brief moment where we stop. I mean, because we are, we're so much in a reactive space. Something happens when mm. we're reacting. Something else, we're reacting. If we can just take a brief moment to slow down, stop, process those feelings, ask ourselves questions around the situation, look at it, you know, maybe bird's eye view, step Mm -hmm. out of the situation, go bird's eye. You can actually assess a little bit better what's going on. Instead of being in it and reactive, you're not getting anything done. You're angry, you're upset, you're reacting. And now we may be making irrational decisions or we're saying things that we may not mean or we're thinking or implying things. 
or assuming we're assumptive and we don't ever want to be assumptive, right? We mm-hmm. want to know, make decisions based on hard, actual facts. So when we have emotional intelligence, it's really just being in tune with your own feelings and processing those, but also being aware of others and perceiving accordingly. Because if I'm considered your feelings, I'm going to respond to you different if I consider your feelings first. Right. But if I don't consider your feelings first, I'm not worried about them. I'm just going off and just saying whichever. So, so, so how do we, because I think in general, a lot of the time, everyone is sort of just living their life, not aware of their feelings is having feelings. Mm-hmm. How do we become aware of our own feelings? Well, just do self checks or mood checks. You know, you can just check in with yourself. You always ask people how you're doing. I mean, if you're being courteous, just say, hey, how are you doing? People say, I'm fine. But do you ever just stop and say, hey, how am I doing today? Yeah. Yeah. How am I feeling today? Mm-hmm. I have a sad feeling. Why do I feel sad? How long have I been feeling sad? It's okay to be sad because life happens. But if you're like sad or depressed more than two weeks, then it's like, do we need to talk to somebody? You mm-hmm. know? So it's like doing self-checks with yourself. Um, Then also some other things you can do for yourself is knowing things that trigger you. So if you have things like you're like, oh my God, I'm just in this this funk and I don't know what happened. Okay, let's stop. Let's slow down. Look at the events of the day. What happened? What was a turning point that when you started feeling this way, Mm. there was something that triggered you to go this direction. And if so, when you know these triggers, when you identify them, then you can better be able to counteract that. Like if you know that this person really just rubs you the wrong way, okay, we're not even going to go that way. We're going to take another route. Mm -hmm. Or if there's something that happens and it triggers you, you can better have responses if you know those triggers or you can avoid them altogether. But when we know the things that trigger us, then we can make different decisions about how we plan and how we move accordingly based on the triggers that we've identified. Mm -hmm. But if you don't sit with yourself and evaluate your feelings, and say, what makes me feel this way? You won't know the triggers. So how we avoid that is sit down, check with yourself, ask yourself how you're doing, process your feelings. Whenever you have bad feelings or negative feelings, identify them and where they came from. And then that'll help you get to the root of identifying your triggers and how to navigate triggers. Mm. I um, find that journaling helps me a lot. That is good. Journaling, Um, journaling, meditation. Yeah. um, Phone a friend. <laughs> Phoning a friend. Yeah. Uh, reading one of my favorite books. I don't know if you've heard of The Four Agreements. I love The Four Agreements. Yeah. Being assumptive, being assumptive. Don't make yes. assumptions. Mm-hmm. And I always forget one. Uh, and don't take things personally. Those personally. are the two that basically exactly. you're talking about. So sometimes yeah. I'll pull out that book and just flip to one of those chapters and be like, oh, yeah, I'm assuming that mm-hmm. when she looked at me like that, she was thinking, oh, your hair looks bad. Or Isn't it crazy the stories we can make up in our uh, own mind? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, um, I love books on personal development. So I've read that book several times as well as tons of others. But yes, um, The Four Great Months is a great book. It's a great book. I love it. So, yeah. but we can definitely get these narratives in our head, create our own narrative. And it's so far from the truth. So when we're able to, and I, like I said, that just ties into having that emotional intelligence to use wisdom and discernment instead of so much acting in our emotions. Right, right. Um, just FYI for my listeners, I have two podcast episodes where I dissect that book we're talking about, 
the four agreements and how it connects to business. So if you want to know more, I think it's in the first like 50 or 60 episodes. So you can understand more what the heck we're talking about on that. Such a great book. It is. Let's see. I bet conflict conflict resolution and revolution, that would be nice, um, can come in really handy in our businesses as well. Can you share about conflict resolution, some tips or some thoughts on that? Of course. So just um, with business, I'm really big on, like we were just saying a moment ago, not being reactive. I'm very huge on forward thinking and understanding as things arise, we don't always have to respond in that moment. So some good things that'll help you with conflict resolution is having some healthy boundaries in place so that Mm -hmm. if there ever is conflict that arises with a healthy boundary, that would look like a time frame in which you're going to allow yourself to respond to this. Mm -hmm. Because when you respond, you don't want to be reactive. You want to respond in a sound mind. You don't want to respond as an angry person because when you step into the angry side, now you're no longer professional. Now you're being unprofessional. You might say some things that eh, borderline Mm -hmm. should not be said. And so we want to take time to make sure that we're avoiding things like that. We don't want to say anything that makes us look unprofessional, that could be slanderous to someone else or defamation of their character. So I think that having a brief moment, whatever that is, 24 hours, 48 hours, if it's over the weekend, 72 hours, having that healthy boundary in place to then come back to it, look at it with a fresh pair of eyes and respond, especially if it's an email. Now, if you're stopping in person, walking away if we need to, if Mm -hmm. you know what, stepping away from the situation. I don't think that, I mean, I know that stuff happens. People have altercations. Hopefully it doesn't get to that, that degree of things. Cause I think it comes down to, you know, we don't typically go that far to that extreme, but having boundaries in place or in your, in your business, mm-hmm. you have healthy systems in your business. A lot of things can be avoided with just clear communication. So, you know, communicating clearly the nature of your work, communicating clearly how you guys communicate communicating clearly when you guys communicate, you have business hours, you don't work 24 seven, you know, if someone sends you a text at 1am and they're mad because you didn't respond. Okay. Well, there's a healthy boundary. Like, Hey, our business hours are here, right here. And during these hours, we can't respond to you. Mm -hmm. So you have clear business uh, procedures and protocols that are implemented and you're transparent about them. It helps mitigate possible conflict resolution. And in the event of conflict resolution, you just want to be able to take your time before responding. Mm -hmm. You know, don't be reactive, count down before you blast off. Right, right. And I see especially people get hooked and get into these long, crazy emails back and forth rather than picking up the phone so you can hear the tone, so you can negotiate, so you Sometimes people just need to be heard. That is true. And it's really hard to do that on emails unless you're really good at, you know, I'm hearing you and, you know, but it's so easy to overshare, overexplain, make excuses. I love what you said about a lot of things can be solved before they start if we're really clear about communicating extremely clear like if somebody and then if they didn't hear it uh, like one of the things i um 
I had a wedding once where I loved the couple mm-hmm. and they loved their photography when they first saw it. Mm-hmm. And um, it was not like they hired me because they loved me. I was a little out of their budget, but mm-hmm. they stretched and I accommodated a little bit. And then they called me and said they weren't happy about the work. This was after they had the proofs and they were thrilled because they used to do paper proofs. And then they came back to me and said, we're not happy. And they they come up with all these ridiculous little things, you know, like, I don't know, like that tree was one foot to the left, or, you know, so wow. dumb things. And wow. I was in therapy at the time. And, and I, because I took a lot of things personally, um, back then I was so upset because especially I love this couple and the wedding was wonderful. And now all of a sudden it's, you know, they're accusing me of not being professional and, you know, like really got me where it hurt. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. she helped me understand that sometimes when people love something, they feel bad that they can't afford it. So there's this tactic where they try to convince you that it's not good so Mm. that you will give them more. Oh my goodness. And she helped me come up with this sentence that I've used. And when I coach people, it comes up a lot. Yeah. These are the prices and policies when you hired me. And these are still the prices and policies. Well, I love it. No discussions, no long things. And so eventually, you know, they ordered what they could. And then because I am who I am, I gifted them some, just a few things as a surprise um, because I still wanted to feel great about it. But um, that was a, that was a big shift for me in that, first of all, understanding I did a great job, even if I'd not done the best job in the world. Um, But honestly, given the environment I did, you know, I, I'm really proud of that one, but anyway, not taking it personally. And, but what you said, having those policies in place and communicating and reiterating those and being able to go back and lean into those if conflict arises, I Mm -hmm. have that touch. No, most definitely. I agree. And, you know, I think it just comes with like present day. I mean, I understand like I've gone through phases like that and earlier in the business, but, you know, as you grow and you get confident in your your business, your pricing and the quality of work you provide, um, it becomes easier over time. But we have to hold our, stand our ground. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to not, because I also think it's easy to transfer, isn't that, that's a word in psychology, transference, making our clients put our parents' face on it, a teacher's face, mm-hmm. you know, not. Uh, separating our own baggage or mm-hmm. history from here's a client. We're going to do the work. We'll have the relationship we have, and then we're going to move on. Some will stay with us a long time. Some will just go away, but this will pass, <laughs> whatever it is. Yes, yeah. So what else in the mental health space is a focus for you that you love to um, help people understand um uh, just pretty much focusing on the atmosphere they create for themselves on a 
a daily basis. And that's mm-hmm. just really with your mindset. So the atmosphere that you're creating, your mindset, mindset plays a part in every aspect of our life. And we have to have a positive mindset. We can't get things done in a negative space. So we have to be very intentional about the, the mindset and the beliefs and ideals that we have for ourselves, for our families, for our business, and pretty much in all aspects of, of life. So so if you if you realize you are reactive in a negative mindset a lot and you want to change, how do you recommend people do that? Well, if you realize that you're in a negative mind space and you want to change, I would first start with daily affirmations, mm. um, just about two or three. And you can build on them. You can say as little or as many, but I would start about two or three daily affirmations. And that's just something, and it doesn't have to be true in that moment, but it will grow to be true. So, you know, um, I am smart. Uh, my business is successful. I'm an organized business owner. <laughs> Things that you would want to believe for yourself. I am happy. You know, just start, say it, write it out. If you need to write it daily, say it and just repetition deepens the impression and you can embody that. But when you say it, don't say it emptily. You have to actually feel it, take it in, breathe it, and then conduct yourself accordingly. If you're saying, I am happy today, today's going to be a great day. You've already said it. You've affirmed it. Now go be great. Don't (laughs) say it and then go out here and be sour. Right. Right. Yeah. That's a good starting point. And just over time, like I said, repetition deepens the impression. And, you know, that'll be what you're creating that to be for you. So that would be what I would suggest for anyone that's wanting to change the shift, the the paradigm to a different space for the better, for positivity. One of the gifts my mom gave me, um, because it's so easy when something's not going the way we want to think I'm having a bad day, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm having a bad day. And my mom would always say, I'm having a bad half hour. <laughs> or, well, I had a few bad half hours. And what that helped me understand in the emotional intelligence space mm-hmm. is if we really think about it, that thing that happened that kind of, you know, took us down, mm-hmm. it it wasn't almost always it wasn't the whole day. Or it wasn't half the day. Oh, it was absolutely. It was a chunk of time, and then that time's over, and we can move on. You know, just absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You know, we we can make it a whole day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but we don't. So yeah, it's whatever you allow it to be. Right. We can make it that. But your mother was a very wise woman, so no, it's not a whole day. That I love how I'm having a bad half hour. I wouldn't even say that. I would just like it's great. I psych <laughs> myself up. Yeah. <laughs> but that very wise for saying that because yeah you could throw the whole day away or you can stop regroup and just shift pivot shift change Mm -hmm. the name of the day right so again like i said earlier looking at what happened identifying what happened okay that triggered me i'm not going to let this spoil the rest of my day how am i going to shift this around right right and then just know your little things that you do know what picks you up know what puts you in a good mood so that if you are triggered and you go to the bad negative space you can go do whatever makes you happy really quick. Your quick pick you up, um, whether it's like a song, whether it's like a mm-hmm. quick meditation, whether it's journaling, whether it's calling a friend that's going to make you, you know, reassure you, make you feel better. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, that'll shift you back to what you need to do. I highly suggest that it's something that is, you know, you doesn't require you to depend on someone else. 
because you want right. to be self-reliant in that space. But whatever it is for you, whether it's listening to music, writing it out, meditating, say some more affirmations, shifting that, some breathing techniques, get back grounded, <gasps> redirected. <laughs> right. Exactly. I love yeah. that. I, what I love about this conversation is that Mental health, you know, what I'm hearing is mental health is not just about, uh, oh, do I need medication because I'm depressed or do I have, uh, you know, am I bipolar? You know, those big mental health issues. Yeah, that's a common misconception. People think, oh, I have to be diagnosed with something to have mental health. Anxiety, anything like we're human. We all have anxiety and some of us we can get to states of depression. Life happens, but you just don't want to stay there. You just mental health is you just want to be in tune with you and your feelings. You can take care of yourself emotionally. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with experiencing the ups and downs of life. That's what we do, but it's how we overcome them. And on those lows, we got to come back up. We can't stay low. We got to raise ourselves, rise ourselves back up. So, but yes, that is a common misconception that you have to have some diagnosis to be have a mental health issue that is so far from the truth. Right, right. It's our emotional well-being. That's all the mental health. Right, absolutely. That is it. You know, it's really a lifelong journey. It is. On how we grew up. You know, we all, some people had the kind of parenting where at 21, you know, they're just super grounded and have all these tools and some people have other kinds of experiences and, you know, the world, you know, it's not just our families that impact our lives, but, you know, like I've heard people say that one teacher told somebody they couldn't sing. And so then they didn't, you know, that they were bad at it. And 20 years later, they decide to try again. And then their most world famous singer, you know, multiple Grammys. So it's always influences that affect our well-being and give us that challenge to grow because I'm all about growing. Yeah. We're going to be in a constant state of evolving and growing. Yeah. Yep. So let's see. Yeah. We're just about out of time. Um, So I'd love to know how people can get involved, first of all, in your nonprofit. Is there a way like, where can they learn more about it? How can they support you if they're like, I am all in for this and helping Tash Sheena? Okay, well, thank you so very much for having me. It's been such a great show. Um, so with One Belief, uh, like I said, every year we have annual initiatives. Um, we have been on the news. We have our annual back to school event. We are in schools. We can come to schools anywhere in the United States. Um, if you are a principal, if you're a teacher and you want to have an assembly or you would like to see the assemblies that we've done, visit our website or just reach out to us. We can send some links, uh, www.onebelieforganization.org. And you would spell it out, O-N-E-B-E-L-I-E-F organization.org. There you're able to see everything that we do. There's blogs on mental health and just educational materials on processing feelings, emotions, um, positive affirmations, but then also, like, like I said, we are in schools with programs and speaking. So you can connect with us there. So if you're a principal teacher, definitely do that. You can also make a donation um, to support what we do every year. We're preparing for our July, I think it's July 29th this year. Mm-hmm. It's always the end of July back to school, big event. It's great. 
We serve hundreds of families and kiddos. Um, last year was amazing. And each year it just gets better and better. So that's where you guys can connect with me there. Mm-hmm. Um, for educational platform, as far as just helping business owners do what business owners do, um, you can visit Tash Talks Cash. And that's everything mm-hmm. with entrepreneurship, mindset, and just getting systems and automations in your business. And so that's TashTalksCash.com. And then me as a photographer, AdaLeePhotography.com. So, and who is Ada Lee? <laughs> That's a great question. So, my daughter, her name is Faith Ada, and my son, his name is Caleb Lee. So, ah. it's the middle names. I love it. I love it. But people are always like, hey, Ada. And I'm just like, okay. So, yes. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yes. It, so, last question Is there something either that you haven't shared that you might think, oh, I wish I'd had a chance to bring that up? Or, is there something you want to leave us with? So uh, you have the last word here. What do you got? Well, my thing that I would want to leave everyone with is we all have talents according to our skill sets and our ability. So if there's something that's on your mind or your heart to do, and you're thinking that you cannot, don't count yourself out because if it's there, you have that thought and that desire for a reason. So explore that, delve into that. and. Go be great. Go be great. I love it. Well, thank you so much. This was very rich and uh, so much uh, good stuff that that ties in because wherever we go, there we are. So mental health in our businesses or the healthier we are, the better we're going to be in our businesses because that attracts what we're looking for and attracts success. So, well, thank yes. you so much. And everyone stay tuned for my little quickie wrap up. Thank you so much. And let's all say a big thank you, thank you, thank you to Tashina. Thank you. Well, here I am now by myself. Uh, Tashina has uh, left the building. <laughs> and I want to see if I can do a wrap up. Um, first of all, we talked about her photography and branding and how she gets people looking like they're having fun because she's bringing the fun is what I would say is a summary. And, um, you know, that she's she puts people at ease and she creates an environment where they're relaxed. And we talked about how we can just be ourselves as photographers and that will attract the people that are going to love what we do. So we don't need to try to be Tashina or me or some other photographer. We, we bring our own personality and our own eye to that. And then she shared about her nonprofit organization and why it came about, which, you know, sadly was, because uh, someone had a gun uh, at her daughter's school and um, that her take on emotional or mental health, it really connects to emotional wellness that learning conflict resolution, learning how to talk to ourselves, being aware of our feelings and feelings of those around us can really help us live in the world as an emotionally intelligent human being, instead of being reactive all the time, uh, figure out what triggers us and having tools 
like meditation, journaling, taking a walk, different things to put us in a place where we can be operating from a place of strength. Uh, something uh, we didn't bring up that I learned is that when we're upset and angry, our IQ goes down about 30 points. So when we are upset about something, the sooner we can get us ourselves to a balanced place, the more resourceful we're going to be as a human. Um, she talked about the daily affirmations can help us when we're in a negative mindset and so many other good things. Um, so be sure to go to lucydumas.com, Lucy with an I. You can send me a little email from there. If you're interested in my offer of um, a review of your pricing or your website to see if you're set up for profit. And that's it for now. Stay tuned for the next episode of The Profitable Photographer. <laughs> Bye. You have been listening to The Highly Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share. To connect one-on-one -on -one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.